Chapter 14 of Catherine von Bora, Dr. Martin Luther's Wife, by Armin Stein, translated by E. A. Enlich. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 14 Bereaved and Comforted. At a short distance from Wittenberg, near the Elster Gate, a well is shown to this day called Luther's Well, it having been discovered and opened by Luther in the year 1520. The miner's son had a sure instinct for all minerals and treasures hidden in the earth. Near this well among the trees, and within hearing of the rushing waters of the Elbe, Luther, in the year 1526, built himself a summer house, which Catherine's skillful hand beautified and furnished most conveniently. It was a pleasant spot, and Mistress Luther was rewarded for her pains by frequent visits from her friends. In this peaceful retreat, Luther loved to gather round him his friends, Melanchthon, Cruciger, and Auerherr, and with them work at the translation of the New Testament. Here, the fourth chapter, according to St. John, telling of Jacob's well, was completed. It was a warm, sunny May day in the year 1528. The spring sunshine had caused the tender leaves to burst their buds. The garden flowers vied with the wildflowers in furnishing sweet food to the bees and butterflies. Even the farmer's plow horses neighed with delight. In the summer house near the Elster Gate sat Dr. Martin with his lute. The springtime had seized upon his heart, for when all nature is singing for joy, Dr. Martin cannot keep silence. Beside him sat Mistress Catherine with her baby in her arms, lost in happy dreams, now listening to the notes of the lute, now resting her eyes upon the lovely landscape. When the doctor, changing from his free, fresh improvisation, played the air which he had composed especially for his little son Hans, Catherine hummed the tune while Hans, who was playing on the floor with a wooden horse, looked up attentively, for he knew well that it was his song. The child was now two years old, a blooming, vigorous boy, and already sufficiently master of his mother tongue to make his wants known. The wooden horse, a product of Wolfgang's lathe, was his favorite toy, his childish imagination investing it with all the qualities of the living animal. It was lodged in a stall, built in a corner of the room, was each night provided with hay and straw, and in times of sickness neither medicine nor care were wanting. With heartfelt pleasure, the parents' eyes rested upon their firstborn, and Catherine said to her husband, If God gives grace, Hans will be the joy and comfort of our old age. Glancing at the child in her arms, she continued with a troubled face, But when I look at our sweet little Elizabeth, I'm mindful of the apostle's admonition, to have as though we had not. She is the child of my fears, born amid fears, and nurtured in fear to this present time. See how pale is the little face and how deep the shadows under her eyes. Luther leaned over and stroked the little hand. Dear wife, the apostle's word applies not only to a feeble child. We should possess all our children as though we possessed them not. The Lord has but lent them to us and claims them again when it pleases him. A look of deep sorrow clouded Catherine's face. Doubtless you are right, dearest doctor. Yet it is better to see them come than go. And if we were forced to yield up one of them, I believe my heart would break. Oh, my little Elizabeth, my darling child. She pressed her lips to her pale little face, and hot tears gushed from her eyes. The doctor felt his own growing moist, and was glad to see his friends, Melanchthon, with Master Reichenbach and his wife, coming toward their house. "'We thought,' cried Mistress Elsa, "'that we must seek you here as we failed to find you at home. How lovely is this spring day!' Frau Elsa sat down beside Catherine and the men with Dr. Martin. You have a fine scent, my friends, he began, that has betrayed to you what his grace the elector has sent me. I, for my part, can boast of a true prophetic instinct which told me that some of my friends would seek me out today. Therefore, I have caused the gift to be brought out here. He pointed to a corner where lay a small cask 
Beside it stood a large earthen jug. It is said to be choice Spanish wine for Dr. Martin's refreshment. He is a kindly gentleman, our elector, returned Reichenbach. But you, dear doctor, must follow his advice and yourself drink the wine that was sent for your refreshment. Luther was already filling the jug from the cask. What would you have, dear Reichenbach? Would the wine refresh me if I drank it alone? Just as divided joy is double joy, so to me divided wine is double wine. He brought the jug to the syndic. When the latter still refused, Melanchthon said, with a significant glance, Take it, Reichenbach. The doctor is now 45 years old. We cannot change his nature in these matters. The wine was passed around, and in the intercourse with his beloved friends, Luther's inborn happy humor burst forth with irresistible charm, as though he had never in his life been sad or heavy-hearted. Towards evening, other citizens of Wittenberg came out to enjoy the balmy air. Luther made them all welcome. They talked together of many things, of the affairs of the city of Wittenberg and of those of the kingdom of God until it grew late, and Wolfgang came limping out from town with warm wraps for Mistress Luther and the children, and well-meant advice to the doctor not to linger in the night air. Luther readily yielded, and all returned to town together. The roses in Luther's garden were blooming gloriously, delighting not only the doctor, but all those whom he invited into his garden to view the wonderful works of God, and those into whose houses he sent generous nosegays of the fragrant flowers. But greater was his joy when he saw the roses slowly appearing in little Elizabeth's cheeks. The physician, Augustine Scherf, smiled sadly when he saw the father's fond delusion. He knew that under the roses death was at work. Soon the little face grew pale again, and with hearts doubly saddened by disappointed hope, the parents stood beside their dying child and tasted the bitterness of death. They prayed for its life, but God said, Give me the child. As the last struggle was drawing near, Luther, with a supreme effort of renunciation, exclaimed, Lord, thy will be done. Catherine cried aloud, Oh, dear father, let this cup pass from us. It is so bitter, methinks I cannot drink it. When Luther saw his wife's grief, tears burst from the strong man's eyes, and he wept like a child. This roused Catherine from her sorrow, and seeing her husband's pain, she strove to comfort him, and Luther, having received, was again able to give. He walked behind the little coffin as it was carried to the grave, accompanied by weeping friends, and there spoke words of comfort to all present. Here he again experienced, more fully than ever, how great a treasure is the precious word of God, which is most powerful and life-giving when the soul is passing through darkness and sorrow. Wolfgang made a little cross of wood, which he set upon the grave, and Luther wrote upon it, Hic dormit Elizabeth, filiola Martini Lutheri, anno 1528. Here sleeps Elizabeth, Martin Luther's little daughter. It was long before Catherine's loving heart could cast aside its sorrow. Yet she was made acquainted with one of the blessings of affliction, namely, the hearty sympathy and affection of the members of her household. Her servants, as well as the boarders, were eager to serve her, as though each one, as far as in him lay, desired to comfort the bereaved mother, and Catherine was deeply grateful for their loving service. Better than they, the Lord supplied her loss. When the lilies of the valley bloomed on little Elizabeth's grave, the happy mother's thanksgiving rose heavenward. The Lord hath taken away, the Lord hath given. Blessed be the name of the Lord. In his study, Luther sat and wrote in great haste, Grace and peace in Christ, my dear Amstorff. The gracious God has regarded our sorrow and has sent us in place of our little dead maiden a living one. I pray you, therefore, make haste that it may not longer remain a heathen, 
but speedily by means of the blessed sacrament be enrolled in heaven as an heir of eternal life. When the sacred act had been performed, Luther took his daughter upon his arm and said, My dear little Lena, thou art doubly welcome for thine own sake and for the sake of thy departed sister who lives again in thee. For when I look at thee, methinks I again behold my little Elizabeth. Then, turning to his wife, he bent down over the pale face and said, You, dearest wife, how can I thank you for this precious gift? What were Dr. Martin without his Kate? Since I have you, I am no longer poor, but a rich man indeed. If thou lovest me, O Lord my God, do thou preserve and bless this dear life. End of chapter 14